Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything that move, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the week, and we're going to try and have a little bit of fun today as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 301. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with my friend Ben Fennel just a little bit about the future of this podcast, but mainly... We want to have a little bit of fun naming our all-pro team with the pool of players that we picked from just coming from the 13 teams that the Eagles played this year. We'll do that in our discussion here in Chalk Talk. That's not the end of the show, though, because I also caught up with Eagles offensive lineman Nate Herbig at the end of the program. But before we get there, just a couple of things I want to make sure we hit on. First up, I want you guys to know in on what my plan is for this show moving forward because I want to keep the show going twice weekly throughout the offseason. So here's what I'm kind of thinking. We'll still have our early week episode with a special guest, the slot that Greg Cosell usually jumps in in season. That will be our Chalk Talk episode of the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We'll talk about a scheme, an aspect of the game, a position, player development, free agency, the draft, all that stuff. We will talk about that every single week in Chalk Talk. Then for our late week episode, we will we will do our scouting report segment where we will get together each week and share thoughts on a specific player or a specific scheme that, uh, you know, basically think of it almost like a book club where me and a guest, and it typically will be Ben Fennell, who we're going to talk with today, we're going to watch the same set of clips and then get together to talk through what we saw. One week it'll be a specific player or a team or a scheme. We'll change it up, but one of my favorite parts of this is that I want to share with you what's going to be next week's topic. So you at home, can go and watch that same footage. And you can have those same uh, so, similar kinds of takeaways. Ben and I are going to watch it separately. We'll come back. We'll share our thoughts. Hope you guys enjoy it. I'm kind of excited for the segment. Something a little bit of a spin, uh, a new different spin on wh- what we've been doing. But uh, I'm excited for it. I hope you guys are too. And if you have any players or schemes that you would like us to focus on, you know where to go. Because uh, you know the first thing I'm going to say is to go on our Apple Podcast page, leave us a rating, and leave us a comment. That's the best way to give us a suggestion for something that you want here on the show. And We'll do that every single week. I'll always answer your questions. We'll always take your suggestions. So if you've got something that you want talked about, that is the place to go. And then last thing off before we start, if you enjoy my conversations with Ben and I every single week, make sure you go and subscribe to the Journey to the Draft podcast as well. The Senior Bowl we're right around the corner from it. We are covering the NFL draft from wall to wall. We will have you covered. Great interviews with players, with people all over the business. Really, really excited to get things going here. Uh, up to top speed as the draft gets closer and closer and closer. So make sure you go check out the Journey to the Draft podcast wherever podcasts can be found. And every single week on that show, I have been welcoming an Eagles uh, personnel man or a scout to talk about a current Eagles player and how he was evaluated coming out of college. And this week, I welcomed back Eagles College Scouting Director Anthony Patch to talk about Eagles defensive tackle Fletcher Cox and kind of get his thoughts on him back when he was coming out of Mississippi State in 2012. Here's the beginning part of what Patch had to say. Well, joining us this week here on Scout Stories to talk about the Eagles defensive tackle Fletcher Cox is Senior Director of College Scouting Anthony Patch. And Patch, uh, welcome back to the show, man. Excited to get your thoughts on Fletcher Cox when he was coming out of Mississippi State back in 2012. What were some of your memories of the pre-draft process when it came to uh, number 91? Yeah, Fletcher, you know, 
small town Mississippi kid. He he uh, was there, signed with uh, Sylvester Croom, uh, Groom as a first coach, and Dan Mullen came in, highly, highly thought of there. You know, unbelievable strength, size, and explosion, and, you know, really guy that they lined everywhere in that front. And so, you know, he was – Young coming out, but spoken highly of there, you know, just an old country guy and, you know, likes to hunt fish, as you know, and just, you know, nothing bad said about the kid and just, you know, he had a great, you know, junior year and that's the year he came out and you could see that on the tape. And, you know, I remember going back to the process now, Jim Washburn was our, our D-line coach and, you know, we were going back and forth between him and the Brockers kid from LSU who's had a, you know, a good career for the Rams and still with the, his same team with the Rams now. And, um, you know, Fletcher's been above and beyond expectations taking him. And, uh, you know, I remember sweating out that draft and, you know, <laughs> the, you know the kind, of, the kind of the surprise. And I remember being there and actually a team, I won't mention who, but wanted to trade up for us. And it was, a, they were offering a lot of ammo to come up. And it turns out that's who they wanted was Fletcher. And, you know, the one we sweated out, we didn't see coming was, you know, the Poe kid going before us yep. to Kansas City. So, we you know, we didn't see that coming at all. But we were kind of sweating out those last picks going up to there. And, you know, you know, uh, Coach Washburn did a great job, um, you know, Brett Veach, you know, researching him, practice film. But we all felt great with, the you know, Fletcher as a character kid and just um, – He's just an ox, man. We've seen he's, you know, a dominant force for us over the years. And he's been, you know, durable, um, just big smile on his face, plays the game with passion, and it's been great. So that was just that initial part of that interview. And if you want that entire segment, make sure you go and check out the Journey to the Draft podcast. I've been doing these all season long. So I uh, hope you guys uh, have enjoyed those segments over on that show. All right, talking about Journey to the Draft, let's talk about the guy that's on that show with me every single week, Ben Fennel. It's time to dive into our chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, well, let's get things going here with Chalk Talk. And uh, as we speak, the coaching search continues here for the Philadelphia Eagles. And we will continue to provide information to report uh, as we can uh, here on the show. But uh, right now, no news that we can confirm and report. So we're going to continue talking uh, about this 2020 season. And look, the one big thing that we're going to do going into this offseason, it's going to be a fun new idea. I talked about it earlier in the show at the very top. But Ben, let's talk about what we're going to do here moving forward in terms of scouting report and kind of watching a different player or a different scheme every single week and kind of get together and share our thoughts here on the podcast. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a fun exercise each week, uh, kind of a uh, open book scouting exercise and taking a particular weekly assignment, each of us going to the lab and uh, coming out from under the depths of our film watching studios and seeing what we found, whether it's player focus, scheme focus, team focus. I think it's going to be a really fun exercise. Yeah, and I think the, the fun part about it is that since we're not doing it together, you might see things that I'm not seeing. I might be looking at it through a lens of you know just, what hey, the scheme or the situation. You might be looking at it from a trait-based trait -based standpoint or vice versa. So it'll be fun just to kind of get together and see what we can come up with. On and a that's the beautiful basis. thing of film watching. It's yeah. just the different minds and perspectives. And uh, there's 22 moving parts on every play, and it's tough to watch them all and catch everything. So, you know, having some other minds and uh, kind of putting the uh, the minds together is what this whole business is about. So let's let the listeners in on what we think are, or not what we think, but what our first segment will be. And so that'll be next week. 
you and I, by next week, will have watched all of the Green Bay Packers runs of 10-plus yards this year. Green Bay, uh, one of the best run games in the NFL. Certainly one of the more fun ones to watch in terms of what they do with backfield actions and how that sets it up. They've got a couple of good runners there, and Aaron Jones, who's one of the best in the league. They've got Jamal Williams. So we're going to watch all of their big play runs and runs of over of 10-plus yards. I think it ended up being 49 runs. We'll watch all of them, and we'll uh, we'll come back and share. So you at home, if you're listening, Go on to Game Pass. You can go and watch all of the Green Bay Packers' uh, big runs from the year. Listen in and share your thoughts, whether that's on Apple Podcasts or on uh, hitting us up uh, on social media, uh, and it'll be fun just to kind of share our thoughts. Well, so where's like, where's your week. brain going right now? Are you looking for you know schematic trends? Are you looking for directional trends, personnel trends? Um, you know, where where's your mind just off the cuff before getting into those 49 runs? What are you expecting to kind of dive into? So number one, I definitely will be looking at it from a, a personnel standpoint, from a trait standpoint, especially at the running back position when it comes to Aaron Jones. And uh, I know that he's getting ready to hit the free agent market. That's going to be a big discussion point, not just in Green Bay, but in nationally is like, okay, you know, what is he worth on the open market? But also from a schematic standpoint, some of the things that they do to create some of those favorable rush lanes. And it's going to be really interesting just to watch uh, ultimately what they do to kind of get that run game going. And obviously a backfield actions has a lot to do with that. So, uh, so we'll, we'll for sure uh, be getting a, we'll be powwowing on that one uh, here a week from now. So that'll be a fun conversation. So again, for those of you at home, go watch those plays and uh, we'll, we'll meet up next week and, and we'll talk about it. But in the meantime, Ben uh, gave you a little bit of homework for this week and the homework was, Let's come up with our all-pro team because the all-pro team, the AP all-pro team was released late last week. And I thought, all right, you know what? Let's do our own all-pro team, but let's base it solely off of players that the Eagles faced this year. And that was off their opponents, the NFC East, the NFC West, the AFC North, the Green Bay Packers, and the New Orleans Saints. Now, we kind of went back and forth in terms of what we wanted the the rubric to be for the players that we selected. Um, and what we ultimately sat, uh, decided on was that it would only be based off what we saw from them during our film study going into the game. So uh, if a guy was out or didn't play in the games before the Eagles game, that could affect his status with us. And while the the performance that they had against us shouldn't necessarily come into play, I think for some, for some of these picks, uh, I know for me on my end, it certainly came into play as well. So uh, just kind of a fun conversation. We don't need to go do uh, too too deep of a dive at every spot, but we'll start a quarterback. I'll let you. We'll go every other here. I'll let you kick things off. A first team quarterback and a second team quarterback. How did you stack it with uh, who the Eagles played this year? Well, the quarterback position I felt like was fairly easy, as this guy's on a yes. pretty clear track to be the league MVP. Aaron Rodgers, I think resurgence under Matt Lafleur. It's been one of the best stories in the NFL. Has uh, been absolutely prolific playing more within structure and trusting the scheme, keeping his body out of harm's way. Uh, really exciting matchup this weekend against uh, Matt LaFleur's previous mentor and Sean McVay. So fun battle there uh, with the uh, Green Bay Packers, Los Angeles Rams. Mm. And uh, I might as well just go right into the second team quarterback. Yeah. I'm just going to hit you with the one-two here. I actually went with Kyler Murray. Interesting. And I, there's, there's a couple other quarterbacks to choose from, but I think Kyler Murray uh, – is really starting to settle down at the quarterback position. Obviously, we know what he could do with his legs, but uh, the second year in that scheme with Cliff Kingsbury, getting DeAndre Hopkins in, I think there's still a couple parts away, particularly on the O-line, particularly maybe at tight end and slot receiver. But I think they know what they have with Kyler Murray. I'm really excited for his future. 
Yeah, I ended up going Aaron Rodgers' first team. I went with Russell Wilson at for at second team, and I went back and forth between Russell and Kyler. Remember, Lamar Jackson wasn't playing his best football at the time. I nearly went with Joe Burrow, but uh, you know we played them in week three, so it was only it was a smaller sample size. Well, the but, funny thing is, Fran, Big Ben, we had played in week five. Remember, those yep. Steelers started ten and zero, and Big yeah. Ben was throwing it all over the yard against us. So he was a thought, but since then, in those last couple of weeks of the season, definitely uh, not the same player. And that's the thing with with me was like with Russell Wilson, his play was just starting to kind of teeter off a little bit right when the Eagles were getting ready to play Seattle. It, it hadn't quite uh, gotten to the level that it did in the back half of the year, you know, the, the last few games. But I ended up still going with Russell just because for what what he had done in the build up to that game, there was still he was playing really high level of football in the first half of the year, and then it kind of tallied off. I ended up still going with Russell Wilson. Um, you know, obviously he had a great game against us as well. So let's go uh, now to the running back position. Now, uh, same thing. We got two players. I went first team, second team. I'll kick us off on this one. I went first team Nick Chubb, and I went second team Aaron Jones, and. To me, I think when you look at Chubb, he missed a lot of time in the games leading up to the Eagles game, and he actually came back for the game against the Eagles. He had a great game against the Eagles. So I think when you look at Chubb, uh, certainly some of that would come, came to account, but I don't know, man. I mean, he was just so dominant when he was on the field for Cleveland this year. He really was uh, the motor for that engine. Uh, to me, I, I, I couldn't not put Chubb uh, as the first or second team back. And then I ended up going Aaron Jones. I know he hasn't been as featured in the past game this year. I know he didn't reach the end zone as often, but he was still such such a dynamic player uh, for that offense, run game, pass game. Uh, we'll talk about him a lot next week here in this segment. But uh, to me, Aaron Jones was my second team. Yeah, I went with those two as well. Actually flipped, though. I went Aaron Jones one, Nick Chubb two. Yep. I actually love the way they've used Aaron Jones this year. Much more of a Alvin Kamara style of production mm. and trying to preserve him and making sure his workload is married to either Jamal Williams or the rookie uh, A.J. Dillon, who they took second-round draft capital. Nick Chubb showed up against us for 100 yards. Go ask Joe Osman. I think he's still reeling from yep. that hit. He, he shrugged off there. Uh, who else was in that conversation? Alvin Kamara, Gio yep. Bernard, potentially. Potentially, um, you know, looking back doing this exercise, Fran, it was kind of an interesting study on did we have a tough schedule or did we not have a tough schedule? You know, early on, I felt like there were some winnable games, but sitting back reflecting nine of these 16 opponents were playoff teams. Yeah. And some of those non-divisional games, when we had Green Bay and Seattle, New Orleans, the AFC North had three playoff teams. So sometimes looking up and down, the results says, ah, I see a eight and eight team here at the very least with the schedule, but there's a lot of good football teams up yeah. and down this schedule too. And there, there are some positions where it was like really, really tough to come up with who was going to end right. up uh, taking <laughs> it away. And then there were others that were a little bit thinner. Uh, I thought running back was one of the more thin positions, honestly. Uh, you know, up I felt like it was, it was thin, but it was well-defined. So yes. now the receiver, I think, is a deep position, Go ahead. but yep. maybe, maybe not as well-defined. So my top two are, I don't know if there's going to be a whole lot of discussion here. Devontae Adams, who has pretty much emerged as a top one or two receiver collectively across Across the league and then DeAndre Hopkins yep, who we saw what he yeah. did against us with a pretty big day there for 169 yards I think that's going to be pretty clear cut between us the second team receivers yes. I think is when it gets going uh, so who did you have second team because I, I ended up going DK Metcalf and, okay, Terry me McC- too. and Terry McLaurin 
Interesting. See, I went Tyler Boyd, actually. I, 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 he was on my finalist list for sure. Who really emerged as a number one receiver in Cincinnati with A.J. Green, obviously not the, the same guy, both on the field, off the field, and his place with the organization. It's Tyler Boyd's show at receiver. I'm really excited for his future uh, with that team. And he showed up against us in that week three tie for 125 yards, eight first downs. Seems like he was moving the chains every chance he got a, an opportunity. Yeah, there were a couple other guys that I thought about, you know, Robert Woods, um, mm-hmm. you know, Amari Cooper, you know, put some good stuff out on film. But when I look at Terry McLaurin, I know that uh, the season didn't go like last year, his rookie season, everyone kind of, you know, it blew up with Terry McLaurin, right? Because it was very unexpected. And I think this year he lived up to that same expectation, but the, you know, people kind of knew who he was going into the year. So it wasn't as shocking, but you still watch him down to down. Just a really impressive player. Is so. he the, Is he the best receiver in the NFC East? I mean, he, I think he's got to be right. I think. I mean, there's some was, guys knocking on the door. I know Amari Cooper, CD lamb are probably yeah. knocking on the door. You know, I know, I know Jalen Rieger hopes to be knocking on the door in a yep. year or two. You know, it's kind of interesting. I'm not, I don't know who in New York is going to compete for that. Oh. I don't think golden Tate, maybe Sterling Shepard, who's a, a hell of a player, but I think Terry McLaurin very quickly has emerged as the best receiver in this division. I mean, honestly, looking at it from the, the, who we picked, I think it's got to be Terry McLaurin. I picked him over Cooper. Yeah. I picked him over Gallup. <laughs> I picked him over Darius Slayton or Sterling Shepard or golden Tate. So uh, yeah, I, I would say it would be McLaurin. Let's go to the tight end position. This one was a fun one because uh, look, first team, uh, George Kittle. I think that was fairly, uh, fairly easy after that though. Second team. I'm interested to get your thoughts. Uh, who you ended up going with? Yeah, I had to go with a, another green Bay Packer. This guy was yep. chosen over the pro bowl. They picked Evan Ingram over Robert Tunyon, who had 10 wow. touchdowns, definitely more of a receiving style tight end being that former receiver at Indiana state, but Robert Tunyon, his production in the past game, you just cannot ignore. So I ended up going, and this is a little bit off the beaten path because I ended up thinking about like, what he means to this offense. And I ended up going with Nick Boyle for Baltimore because of the way that, because of the way that they play, what he means to that team. Uh, I know that the pass game production is not the same, but I, you and I know just from watching them and the way that they play, the way that they need to play, Nick Boyle is a huge part of their success. And in terms of being able to play at the point of attack, uh, I ended up going Nick Boyle as my second team over Tunyon, over Evan Ingram, over Austin Hooper. Uh, You know, I, I ended up going with Boyle here. Um, you know, at that position. At that okay. Position. Now the flex position here, Fran, yes. I know it's a hybrid of positions, Yes, but they better be doing hybrid roles no as question. well. Okay. Yep. So no my two here are the first is going to be Alvin Kamara for his yep. ability to contribute in the 100%. run in the pass game. I think we're both going to agree there. Yes. Actually it was Kamara. We gave up the most yardage to a running back. Oh no, Gio Bernard, we gave up 55 yards, Kamara 44 kind of pedestrian games against us. uh, As far as running backs in the pass game, the second team, I'm going J.D. McKissick, who I thought had a great season for the Washington football team and really stole a lot of snaps away from the young rookie Antonio Gibson, who was supposed to be that guy. But J.D. McKissick, I don't know if you guys followed his career. He's been in the league for a number of years, and he's one of these guys that just pain teams to cut every summer. He's always on the back end of the running back or receiver room, was up in Seattle for a number of years. It just crushes them to get rid of him because he is a dynamic, dynamic athlete, just not in the normal mold of a typical slot receiver or running back. So 
I ended up going with Tyler Lockett for mine and only, okay. only because of his ability to win outside and inside, you know, when they go, uh, you know, cause he obviously he's one of the best slot receivers in the NFL, but he can win in so many ways. He wins at all three levels. I just couldn't not put him on my list. It pained me to not put him uh, in my receiver category, um, you know, to make second team there. So I squ- I squeezed him in there as second team flex. Other guys I thought about, um, Brandon Ayuk, uh, for what he did. Remember, he had um, the touchdown against the Giants the week before. Uh, yep. He had the huge game against the Eagles on, uh, what was that, Sunday Night Football. So uh, Brandon Ayuk, I nearly went with that. Robert Woods with what he does on on those Jets. He scored a touchdown as a, as a runner uh, against the Eagles. But the other guy, too, that I had to put in here, Patrick Ricard at fullback had the bad that had to sneak him in there as well for the same reason we talked oh, about. I didn't notice oil. we didn't have a fullback category. I wish yeah. I saw that off the, off the bat. I would have pounded the table for a, a position, a fullback. I think we've seen enough uh, use checks and Patrick Ricards in this league. No question. So uh, yeah, so I ended up going with Kamara and Tyler Lockett. Let's go to the offensive line because I felt um, that this was a really hard position uh, to be able to lock down at left tackle because the Eagles saw some of the best ones in the league this year. I ended up going David Bakhtiari first team, and I feel like that's probably a chalk answer, right? Did you go Bakhtiari yeah, first team? Yeah, right. that's fair. That's fair. All right. Second team was really difficult because you saw Teron Armstead from New Orleans. You saw Ronnie Stanley from Baltimore. You saw Trent Williams at San Francisco, Andrew Whitworth. You saw Phil in the Wave at Pittsburgh. You saw some really good players at left tackle. I was really close to Teron Armstead, who I feel – yeah, you know, probably the best left tackle in football. Like if you're just like you know picking guys on the uh, in the schoolyard, but I ended up going Trent Williams, man, just because early in the season, uh, you know, the Eagles played them what was it week five, and you didn't know, quite quite know what Trent Williams was going to bring. He had you know had the year off. He comes out and he was off like gangbusters. What he did in that first month and really over the course of the year, I know he didn't have a great game against the Eagles. Like Derek Barnett kind of beat him up a little bit. Josh Sweat beat him for a sack, but in the build up to that game. I just couldn't help, but you know, Trent Williams was just outstanding uh, in that matchup. Plus, Teron Armstrong had missed a couple weeks leading into the Saints game, so he wasn't on film as much. Uh, so I ended up giving Trent Williams the nod there for me. Well, I went back and looked at some of our notes uh, heading into some of these matchups, and some of the things we had written about Ronnie Stanley mm. really made me go back and reflect on who he was to the Baltimore Ravens before he unfortunately went down yeah, with sure. the season season uh, ending injury halfway through the season. But yeah, we faced some really good tackles. It it was tough to not go with the Teron Armstead or a uh, Tyron Smith or you know some of those big names that we we certainly love to watch on a weekly basis. But I'm gonna go with the Ronnie Stanley. Give uh, the two guys that are unfortunately on the shelf at the moment david bakhtiari yeah. will be uh, in the playoffs for the packers and ronnie stanley who went down about midseason. all right who do you like here for left guard left guard interesting i'm going to go with the cleveland browns uh left guard and joel petonio and their run game really uh doing a good job there between the rookie jedrick wills and jc treader at center and then second team the way elton jenkins has really ascended in his second year he's played every position across the offensive line played center against us uh, in week 13 or 12 or whenever that was, but he's a really solid player. Unfortunately, didn't get the all pro nod, but is on his way to his first pro bowl. Really good player. So I actually swapped them. I had Elton at left guard and I had Batonio at, uh, or I had, I had Batonio second team Jenkins first team. Uh, I was really impressed with Jenkins. So, you know, for a, a second round pick second year player out of Mississippi state, uh, Batonio had a good season. Uh, I just thought that Jenkins, especially the versatility, uh, what what with what he showed, uh, we made the joke as we were talking. I was like, oh, he didn't make All Pro because they didn't know what position to put him at. Uh, <laughs> I think Jenkins uh, just really, really impressive on. But it's like, who else are we choosing from there? It's like yeah. Connor Williams. I mean, are we choosing? Uh, 
Andrews, Pete. Andrews, Andrews Pete was the only other guy I thought about, to be honest. And yeah, I, could, Matt, I could Matt Filer of the, yeah. of the Steelers. Like yep. it was just, it was a tough position there for who we were playing. I thought that one was a, a thin position for sure. Pete was the yeah. only other guy I thought about. And I, and I almost put him in there at second team. Uh, let's go to center where uh, I thought it was another interesting kind of uh, discussion here. I ended up going Corey Lindsley first team and Marquise Pouncey second team. But I like initially put in Chase Roulier from Washington as the second team, and I crossed them out, and I ended up going Pouncey. Uh, how did you end up going here? I went Lindsley first team. My second team, I have J.C. Treader slash Chase Roulier. Like I think uh, a couple of those Washington football guys, maybe not uh, the most mainstream names, but he played a lot of good football uh, up from in the trenches there. He's a good player out of Wyoming, if I'm not mistaken, three, four years ago. Yes, correct. Um, but, yeah, really good players, and uh, excited to see uh, Lindsley and Treader on there as well, Former uh, J.C. Treader, a former Packer center. Yeah, Eric McCoy was another guy I put on the the possibility list, but I ended up going uh, you know, with Pouncey there, second team. Let's go to right guard. Uh, I thought this one was a little bit skinny too. I I, I wasn't quite sure there were there was a couple of well defined players, but the depth wasn't quite there. I ended up going Zach Martin at right guard for first team and Wyatt Teller at right guard for second team. And I thought both guys were outstanding. Martin uh, only played for the, the Dallas Cowboys in that first meeting. Um, you know, he was out for the year by the time the Eagles played them in week 16. Wyatt Teller didn't play much in the lead up to the Eagles game against Cleveland, but what he had done in the first half before that was outstanding. And he had a, a strong game uh, against the Eagles when the Eagles played the Browns out in Cleveland. But uh, was there anybody else that, that kind of moved the needle for you there at that position? You know, I put Kevin Zeitler. I thought he okay. played decent in kind of a rough season up there for the New York Giants. I didn't really know who else to consider. I don't think David DeCastro is nearly the quality of player we've come to expect from him. I mean, right guard of the, of the Ravens, I think, was Ben Powers. I don't, yep. You know, it's just not uh, not the caliber of a Zach Martin, Wyatt Teller, Kevin Zeitler out there. Um, so, I, yeah, I think Martin and uh, Wyatt Teller are the easy picks. Brandon Scherf didn't have as strong a year as what we expect yeah. from him. So it was. A, I thought that was a, a really tough one. Um, yeah. yeah, overall at, at that position. Let's go to right tackle. And I thought there were some interesting names here uh, to bring up. Who did you like at right tackle? I went with Ryan Ramchek as my first team, really a nice player being a first round pick, University of Wisconsin a couple of years ago. And then my second team, I couldn't decide between Orlando Brown and Jack Conklin. Orlando Brown, who I just think the world of hopping over to the left side uh, to fill in for Ronnie Stanley and the, the way Jack Conklin has uh, really been a, a core member of that offensive line since coming over from Tennessee and free agency and really powering that run game. And just looking at all the Browns, Joel Petonio, uh, J.C. Treader, Wyatt Teller, I felt like it was only fitting to have Jack Conklin on there. You know, we didn't we didn't get Jedrick Wills on there. I would like to do mm. a, maybe maybe an all rookie team one of these weeks. We could have because the Eagles saw a bunch of the top rookies this year, uh, and I, that did occur to me at some point to uh, to be able to you know make that a uh, an addition. But uh, I ended up going Ryan Ramchek at right tackle first team, and then second team I went Morgan Moses from Washington over mm. over Jack okay. Conklin. Um, you know, and, and Conklin had a good year, uh, but I thought Moses was just con- you know continues to just be rock solid. He's not super flashy, um, but I think that he's a solid tackle. Mike McGlinchey at right tackle was another guy I thought about. Uh, Orlando Brown I thought about as well, but uh, ended up going with Morgan Moses. Let's go to the defensive side. Dude, The pack, picking these pass rushers, whew, that, that was that was tough, man, because the Eagles played some really, really good ones. And uh, first team, I mean, they went up with – they went against two of the, t- the freakiest guys uh, in the league. Actually, they ended up not going up against Miles Garrett because uh, he went on the COVID list days before the Eagles played uh, Cleveland. But Miles Garrett in the lead-up, watching him on film, I mean – He's, uh, he's really starting to put it all together. And then I ended up putting the rookie, Chase Young, as the other first-team player with what he did, especially in the second half of the year. Uh, Chase Young, I thought, was really, really impressive. And then second team, 
I ended up going Zadarius Smith and Cam Jordan. Uh, Ooh, interesting. Two, okay. Yeah, two, guys, two guys that win uh, with their explosiveness and with their power, their ability to collapse the pocket, their violence, their competitiveness. Uh, you know, just and all four guys, they will run right through your chest and collapse the pocket. So uh, you kind of look the, the, at the guys that are having success in the NFL and the guys that honestly that I kind of like. I went Miles Garrett, Chase Young first team, Zadarius and Cam Jordan second team. Interesting. So I agree with Miles Garrett. I agree with Chase Young. I see you went with two uh, NFC players there. I'm going to go to the AFC side with TJ Watt and Matt Judon in the AFC oh. North. I think Matt Judon's a really good edge player for the Baltimore Ravens. A lot of people aren't too familiar with in the national circles. We all know TJ Watt, his production, his uh, play intensity and physicality. Uh, but just looking up and down the list, there's still another four, five, six, seven names that are you know, pro bowl style edge rushers that we could have easily put on this list. So uh, really a fun group, deep group. And uh, certainly, thankfully we didn't have to see miles Garrett that week. No question. I, I really struggled not putting Carlos Dunlap on the list because uh, the Eagles actually saw him twice and uh, they saw him at Cincinnati. He had a great game against the Eagles that week. And then we saw him against Seattle. He was really disruptive that week. And even not just what he did against the Eagles, but, you know, against the opponents that they faced leading up to the Eagles. I remember what Dunlap did to Arizona. Uh, you know, it was, that was a prime time. I think that was a Thursday night game. Uh, it was either the game before or two weeks before they played the Eagles. He was ridiculous in that outing. So I think when you look at Dunlap, he's another guy I felt like was deserving. Trey Hendrickson, one of the leaders in sacks this year. Uh, it was tough leaving him off the list as well. But yeah. uh, Luckily, I don't think we had to see Nick Bosa. I don't think we saw nope. Chandler Jones this year in Arizona. Nope. Uh, so a couple, a couple fortunate uh, absences. Yep, no question. So let's go to D tackle. Who did you uh, who did you have in your list? How'd you stack? D tackle, no big surprises here. I think we're both going to go Aaron Donald, Kenny yep. Clark's uh, one of the best one techs uh, in the country. The second team going Cam Hayward, who plays up and down that Pittsburgh defensive line. And this last pick, I think, is the interesting one that I think made himself a lot of money in free agency this offseason. That's Giants defensive tackle, maybe defensive mm. end Leonard Williams. Well, I thought was a really good pass rusher and proved some inside-outside versatility. Did line up primarily inside, so we are counting him as a defensive yep. tackle. But I think that might be the name that uh, would be surprising to some fans. So I did not have Kenny Clark in my second, my first or second team. He just met, he would have been my fifth name. I went Aaron Donald and Cam Hayward first team. I, Hayward. Okay. I think it's just so underrated and, and he's just, maybe it's because I don't watch him as often, but he was a treat to be able to study uh, going sure. into when the Eagles played Pittsburgh. And I put Stefan to it uh, there on the second team as well. You know, just those two guys uh, as bookends there alongside TJ Watt. Uh, Steph to is a physical Marvel as well. And maybe it's just because what he did against the Eagles sticks out to me, but the fact that Calais Campbell could still be <laughs> as dominant as he is uh, at that age, you know, playing for that defense. I mean, he is a linchpin up front for the Ravens, uh, you know, what he did to Jamon Brown uh, and the Eagles offensive line in that battle in the middle of the season. Uh, I ended up putting Calais Campbell there in the second team, but Leonard, Williams, I just I picture, I, I picture Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen with our two faces on the wall, like <laughs> just cir circling us for next year. Like, okay, we're not on the list. So that Washington football team, a lot of good trench players, New Orleans saints, a lot of good trench players yep. uh, definitely face a lot of good defensive lines. Yeah. David Onyemata is a guy. I mean, I love Deron Payne as much as anybody, Dexter Lawrence has really come into his own too. He's playing at a high level. So uh, a lot of defensive tack, good defensive tackles in the league. Dude, this was another fun one here because there were a lot of really talented off-ball linebackers that the Eagles played. Uh, a lot of them that honestly we gushed about 
uh, here uh, on the show throughout the season. How did you stack these guys? How did you look at uh, this group of off-ball linebackers? All right, I pulled three out of my pocket like in two seconds. Easy, DeMario, right. DeMario Davis, Fred Warner, Bobby Wagner. I had to put it on the second team because Ooh. Cam Akers shook him out of his shoes last week, so I had to knock him down a notch. But that last spot, my other second team linebacker, Really, really struggled to find a guy here. Do I want the run-plugging of a B.J. Goodson, who's actually a really good run-plugging linebacker for the Cleveland Browns this year, but so limited in the past? I got to go with a Blake Martinez, to be perfectly honest with you. This guy played a lot of ball, a lot of tackles, and free agent money. He's the new captain of that defense. Um, and you know, I just had to go with him because you know, I really struggled to find another linebacker in the group. I would have loved to pick a Devin Bush, but obviously he got injured and some of these other teams early on, like we saw the Los Angeles Rams when maybe Micah Kaiser hadn't hit his stride just yeah. yet. And, uh, you know, they've done a really good job with Kenny Young and Micah Kaiser out there playing, playing a lot of even box numbers against the run. So they're doing something right too, but, uh, I'd like to know who you're for are. So my four, I had Fred Warner at that first team, Bobby Wagner, second team. I did not easy, take the easy. can make or yep. shake in there. That's that's uh, <laughs> knock him down. Demario Davis, I had there at second team. I ended up going Devin Bush there, second team, despite the injury. Uh, okay. he, did, he did play for a, a, you know, a handful of games leading up to the Eagles, enough that we were able to study him. Um, so I went with Devin Bush there, uh, second team. The guy that we haven't, haven't mentioned, uh, Jordan Hicks, I thought was de- deserving of being in this list as well. I thought that he had a really good season for Arizona. KJ Wright, I think, uh, still belongs in the conversation. Patrick Queen uh, did some good things in Baltimore and ended up being one of their leading tacklers. Um, you know, I, uh, he was another guy I kind of thought about uh, potentially mentioning here. Uh, let's go corner, and this was a fun one too. And so I'll start things off here for this one. Okay, first team was easy. Uh, Jalen Ramsey on one side. I did go back and forth on who the second first team corner would be. And I ended up going Marshawn Lattimore. And I, th- I think his play is a little bit up and down in terms of and, and the down being still very good. Um, but I still think when, his, when he's at his best, he's a really, really good player. And to me, I ended up going uh, Lattimore first team opposite Jalen Ramsey. Second team, I went with Jair Alexander and James Bradbury. Um, you know, so those were, my, uh, those were my two second team corners. Bradbury, just really to me, He's playing much better than I expected in that man coverage scheme out there with Patrick Graham and New York Giants. I, I was worried. Uh, you know, I saw him more as like a zone corner and uh, you know eyes on the quarterback, praying on the football. He's he's done a really good job. Uh, you know, playing in that scheme, a lot of man to man. You know, you'll see some zone as well from them. But I I was really impressed with Bradbury this year. So I went Ramsey one, Jair Alexander one. Okay. My second team also James Bradbury. Yep. But I'm now I'm a little concerned that you didn't have this other corner in this group because he kind of changed positions this year. So I'm afraid you might have him in the nickel group. Yes. And that's Baltimore saying. corner yes. Marlon Humphrey. That is that what they I did. slid that they slid <laughs> inside to uh to accommodate Jimmy Smith and Marlon Peters, uh or excuse me, Marcus Peters on the outside. So yep. if that was your uh your, your sense there, uh, I guess I, I need to reallocate my cornerback position. <laughs> no, that's all right. That's a, But that's the thing about him, though, is that, you know, the, he's got that flexibility. So uh, I took advantage of that flexibility and slid him to my first team. But nickel. at the end of the day, as long as you have him on there, Marlon Humphrey, a yes. great, great player, whether the corner nickel spot, get him in a spot because he deserves it. Uh, Patrick Peterson did not make it to our first or second team either side. I think he was, but he was my next guy up. Um, but I thought it was notable. Neither of us listed uh, Peterson. I'd probably, I'd probably go uh, Pat Pete over Marshawn Lattimore. I think okay. Lattimore uh, just didn't play as well this year. Yeah, uh, or at least to the standards we expect with the Marshawn Lattimore. But might as well go right over to that sub package nickel yep. position, which is a popular spot. And this is a great position because. 
it's no longer getting the older corner sliding inside anymore. Right. Yep. You know, those household names of Leon Halls and the former pro bowlers of Brandon Flowers. No, it's Kenny Moore's of the world and, you know, Troy Hills of the world and a lot of names that maybe people, Hugo Amadis and themes that aren't really household NFL names. But my first team, I had Mike Hilton yeah. written here, yep. the Pittsburgh Steelers, another name that, you know, people may not know. He's a great blitzing nickel off the edge there. I literally had Mike Hilton, comma, Marlon Humphrey, comma, Troy Hill, all in the first team. And Troy Hill's playing a lot of good ball for those Los Angeles Rams. Uh, and then my second team, Jordan Lewis, who is a really tough player nice. for the Dallas Cowboys. So I didn't mean to steal a couple of names from you there, but uh, interested to see if uh, there's a, a new nickel uh, in so, your list. So I went with Marlon Humphrey as my first team nickel. And okay. just because, I mean, he is, and there's a reason why you listed him in your, as your second team corner. I mean, he's, he's a really, really good player for that Ravens defense. Uh, here's my first team nickel. My second team was Mike Hilton. Uh, and if I bumped Humphrey over to corner, Hilton would have been my first team nickel. So I'm on board with <laughs> you there. I guess I'm wondering who my second one would have been. I went back and forth between Logan Ryan, who I thought had a really good year for New York. Um, and Byron Murphy uh, from Arizona. Now Ooh, Murphy was great probably, call. Murphy was injured a decent amount, and so I might have, I probably would have gone Logan Ryan would have been my pick. Uh, That's a great team. call. They actually paid him halfway through the season. They did. After yeah. he, he had a, a, a kind of quietly a horrible year in Tennessee last year. He got yeah. picked on a lot after they gave him some money, but uh, I thought really settled down in New York, and uh, I, f- I felt like they gave him a pretty good uh, contract and was very deserving. But looking up and down the list, I didn't know who else to go with. You go with a Chandon Sullivan in Green Bay or a Chauncey Gardner-Johnson in New Orleans. Um couldn't really find an, another body there. Uh, yeah. yeah, but uh, I thought, you know, the Mike Hilton's, the Troy Hills, Jordan Lewis, we know is a tough player in Dallas. Um, Marlon Humphrey is certainly the cream of the crop. All right, well, let's go to safety here because this was a, a fun one as well. Uh, first team, I went with Minka Fitzpatrick and Buda Baker. Okay. Uh, yep. I felt like that was kind of That's a chalk a answer. That's a hit. Yep. All right, second team, I went with Jesse Bates from Cincinnati, yep. and I went Jamal Adams from Seattle. And that's great. And I love the Jamal Adams, Jesse Bates uh, together Yes, because they're so complimentative. Jesse Bates is a back-end guy that you want in coverage, great range, great ball skills. What's his issue? He's going to miss some tackles coming downhill, miss some tackles in the alley, maybe take the brunt of contact. Jamal Adams, box safety all day long. So much so, we might call him a defensive end in a couple years for the way he rushes the passer (laughs) and blitzes. So uh, I know we're not pairing these guys together, but just seeing Jamal Adams, Jesse Bates with a really interesting kind of uh, skill set compliment. How did you go first team, second team? How'd you stack it? Same thing there. Buda Baker, number one, who is one of the best playmakers uh, in the country right now. And uh, I think it's the highest paid safety uh, until one of these young guys uh, gets a new contract. And Minka Fitzpatrick, Really solid player. Uh, I think the way they use him in Pittsburgh, he could go quiet at times. They play that zone coverage. He's been out in the free safety spot a little bit more and hasn't been challenged as much. Uh, So I want to see him come downhill and maybe that robber roll a little bit more uh, next year and get himself into the action. But Buda Baker, Minka, Jamal, Jesse Bates, I don't think we're uh, surprising anybody there. Anybody else? Uh, honestly, like looking at the list, I was, uh, one guy I thought about was Quandre Diggs out in Seattle. Uh, Cameron Curl. I, mean, Cam- I was just about to say Cameron good. Curl. There's some other young guys. Jordan Fuller played a great year yeah, for the true. Los Angeles Rams. It was a six-round pick out of Ohio State. Is a starting safety for him right now. Yep. Uh, even Baltimore, like a Deshaun Elliott. Chuck, Chuck Clark. Chucky Clark, yeah. I thought about Chuck names. Clark. 
some names right now. I think our listeners might be Googling real fast. Like who's a Deshaun Elliott. And these are guys that are starters playing a lot of ball. They're on playoff teams. Uh, just maybe not the, uh, the first round pick household names, you know, that are uh, in the mainstream media. Yeah, there, it, this was a fun exercise, man. I thought I figured it was kind of a cool way, a fun way to kind of wrap up the year. And, and Fran, uh, just browsing up and down the list, I don't see a whole lot of rookies covered. You know, I think we gave a little love to Werfs at one point, and I see some goose eggs here. So there might be an opportunity to do a little all-rookie team uh, yeah. uh, that the Eagles face this year. I think so. We could probably do so. We could probably put something like that together. Uh, the question is, is it an Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast or a Journey to the Draft podcast? uh type of content so i like i like where your might, head's at might be a hybrid maybe a little cross <laughs> maybe a little crossover promotion uh we'll, we'll see if we can work that in but ben uh this was fun we put on a lot of work obviously studying eagles opponents uh, for all the work we do not just for this podcast but for eagles game plan and for all the other x's and o's content we put together so uh, i figured it was a nice way to kind of put a ribbon on it um for what we watched in 2020 we'll talk to you next week we're talking green bay packers runs uh we'll see how the packers do this week uh in the divisional round it should be a fun weekend of football enjoy it and we'll talk to you next week Experience the fastest internet and more in a snap. With Xfinity XFi, you get the speed, coverage, control, and security you need for the ultimate in-home Wi-Fi experience. Xfinity, proud partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Great stuff from Ben, who you can follow on Twitter, just like me, at BenFennel underscore NFL. And while you're at it, I'm at EaglesXOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of, all of our X's and O's content that we produce here at Eagles Entertainment as well. And you know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That's one way to throw us your support, but the best way is to go into Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating, leave us a comment. And I want to give a shout-out today to someone who did just that. Josh Dangerous left, I say, five-star review saying, would you trade Jalen Hurts for a future first-round pick and then take BYU's Zach Wilson at number six overall if he's available? I think he's the next Josh Allen or Justin Herbert, and the quarterback position is so important. You've got to get it right. If not... What are your thoughts on Zach Wilson as a prospect? So, Josh, uh, good question. We've been talking about uh, Zach Wilson a lot over on the Journey to the Draft podcast, so uh, make sure you go and subscribe uh, to that show. We've been talking about him since, I would say, pretty early in the fall. We were really going back to last year. Remember, Ben uh, did a couple of his games live last year against Tennessee and against, uh, against USC and came back and, and talked about the kind of player he was. So we've been really kind of on the on the Wilson bandwagon for about a year and a half now. But uh, you know, he what stands out most to me about him, just consistently accurate and almost effortless accuracy. Really, really impressive ball placement at all three levels of the field. He can attack all three levels. He's got a really quick release. He's athletic. He can get out of trouble. He's not the biggest. I wouldn't say he's got like the biggest arm. He's not like a Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, even just like a Justin Herbert uh, style in terms of arm strength and velocity, but he can get it wherever you need it to go. And the accuracy, again, is just so, so impressive. So uh, for me, yeah, Zach Wilson, Really, really impressive. But in, ta- in terms of talking about Jalen Hurts and uh, you know even Carson Wentz and talking about the quarterback position, look, obviously that's going to be a huge decision for the- this organization moving over into the next few weeks, right? And, and the new head coach, the new offensive staff, they're going to have a big hand in what that quarterback situation looks like. Certainly, look, if you look at Zach Wilson, there's a chance he goes off the board at number two, and now he's not even available. He's not even in the picture. I'm very, very interested to see ultimately how these quarterbacks go off the board because we all kind of feel that Trevor Lawrence is going to go number one overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. But after that, where does Zach Wilson go? 
where does Trey Lance go? The the fresh the redshirt sophomore from North Dakota State. Does Justin Fields enter the draft? He hasn't officially entered yet. Where does he go? ultimately in this draft. So I think ultimately uh, it's going to be really interesting to see where these four guys are slotted. Will all of them last until number six? I don't know. I don't know if all of them will be there, but uh, I think when you look at this quarterback position here in Philadelphia, it's going to be a huge decision. Uh, They've got two talented guys, two guys that obviously different sample sizes, but I think when you look at the body of work for Carson Wentz and knowing what he can be in the NFL, not just in 2017, but you look at the player that he was in 18, the player he was in 2019, and even for chunks of 2020, he did some good things early in this season and things really kind of unraveled uh, by mid-year but I think when you look at what Carson Wentz has done here in the NFL and even Jalen Hurts over the that last four game stretch he did some nice things as well and again just a rookie a rookie second round pick at that uh, you know making his first start I think ultimately you're looking at these guys and say all right well the both of these guys can do some damage here in the NFL it's a matter of ultimately the comfort of the coaching staff that is brought in and uh, who they want to work with and how they want this all to kind of work out. But it'll be something, look, it's going to be the biggest storyline in Philadelphia once the coach is hired, once the coaching staff is installed. So uh, certainly something to follow. We'll be covering here uh, all offseason long here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. So before we wrap this one up, though, uh, thanks so much to Josh for the, for the great question. Now, let's go over to my interview with Eagles offensive lineman Nate Herbig. He did a lot uh, this year, a bunch of starts there uh, for the second-year offensive lineman out of Stanford. We'll talk about his athletic background and his lineage and, and all those kinds of things right here in this interview. So excited to welcome in Eagles offensive lineman Nate Herbig. Nate, thanks for joining us, man. Happy to be here. So let's talk about your background. When did you start playing football? Um, I started playing football when I was in the sixth grade. Um and I didn't play tackle football until I was in the eighth grade, actually. Now, and, and you grew up in Hawaii, right? So what, what was the, uh, in terms of like how many guys that you were playing with, was it um, you know, a huge league? Were there different weight classes? Like, did you have to play like uh, above your weight class, below your weight class? How, how was that for you growing up? Well, I, I couldn't play in, the, in Pop Warner. I was way too big, way too big. So I had to wait till I got to middle school for an unlimited league called Hawaii youth football, and that was really the first time I got to play tackle football. So, what was your uh, your first position? Were you, were you uh, an offensive tackle? Did you play center? Did you play D line? Like when when you started playing, uh, what was your first position? Uh, I played D line when I first started. And what what was that like? Did you uh, did you enjoy that part of it? When did you first make the transition over to offense? When I realized that everyone kept telling me that I was built like an offensive lineman, not like a defensive lineman, so. Ever since I was told that, it's just I've been on the offensive line ever since. And then you go through the, the college recruiting process. You end up going to Stanford. I know there were some other Pac-12 schools uh, that were involved as well. What went into the decision to go to Stanford, and uh, how did you ultimately settle in on them? Um, my parents wanted me to get an education um, first and foremost, and they felt like Stanford gave me the best opportunity to excel in the classroom and on the football field. Sure. And now take us through this because I would love to get a kind of a look into your mind in terms of what you do from a preparation every week. When you're looking at the opponent, are you looking at defensive tackles only? Are you looking at the defensive ends as well as, you know, just in, in preparation in case you need to move out to guard or any of the different spots? Are you looking at linebackers as well? What goes into your scouting report every week as you get ready for a game? I mean, uh, I, I look at, uh, some of the moves they do, like I'll watch third down, uh, a defensive tackle if he likes a long arm or he likes to swim, and I don't play into it. I just 
uh, think in the back of my head, all right, he has this in his pocket, like, be ready for that, be ready for this, like, as I'm taking a set. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I, like, go too much into it because I feel like just like you are game planning, they're game planning, and they watch you and try to pick out your weaknesses. So I try not to dive too deep into that. Sure. It's it's always interesting talking with guys about uh, how far they go into it. Some guys I know don't watch until late in the week. Some guys will start watching early. I want to ask you this, though. I need, a, I need a good scouting report on a linebacker, and I feel like you could provide the best scouting report for Nick Herbig, the linebacker at Wisconsin, a true freshman, uh, your younger brother. Uh, take us through the – give us a scouting report here on Nick. I think he's been averaging close to two TFLs a game, which is uh, <laughs> up there in the country, but that's about it. Uh I'd say he's more of a run stopper. He can't pass rush right now. He only has one sack, and that's very disappointing to me. He's supposed to be this big-time freshman, but I guess he, <laughs> he doesn't know how to pass rush yet. Sure. And what was it like growing up? Two guys, obviously, you know, relatively close in age. Uh, how Did you guys play other sports other than football? Yeah, we played. I played basketball with him. We were on the same basketball team. We wrestled together. Um, he was actually on one of my football teams, and – I mean, we just did a lot, like everything together growing up. It was always a competition. Uh, you mentioned that wrestling background. Uh, how much of that do you feel carries over to the football field? I know that's something a lot of scouts and coaches will look for with guys, whether they're coming from high school or going from college to the NFL. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's been a long time since I've wrestled, but uh, it just taught me how to like keep my balance and fight pressure with pressure, I feel like, personally. So I'm thankful for it. Sure. And then one last question for you, Nate, and then we'll cut you loose here. Uh, you're a couple years now into your NFL career, playing along the offensive line. You've played a couple of different positions up front. What's one part of playing in the trenches, playing at the offensive line, that you feel isn't talked about enough, which with media, with fans, uh, everybody covering the game and watching the game at home? Um, I just feel like being an offensive line it's one of the hardest positions to play in football just because not taking anything from any, any – to not taking anything away from any other position just because I, I feel like you can block a guy all game and you he beats you two out of 80 times and that's two sacks. That's a terrible game for you and that's a great game for him even though it's really 78 to two, you know. So I think that's one of the, the toughest things of being an offensive lineman. You get no credit, but, you know, you just got to do your job. If, if your name's not called, that's usually a good thing. No question. One of the most thankless positions in all of sports. Well, Nate, thanks so much here for joining us. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you soon, man. Yep, thank you. So good stuff there from Nate Herbig, and thanks to him and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here at Eagles Entertainment. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Duffy House, I'm Fran Duffy. We'll talk to you next week. Raise a glass to that comforting feeling of an Eagles touchdown with the all-new Broaden Patterson Wine Collection created in partnership with Wink. Featuring a Cabernet, a Rosé, and a Chardonnay, Broaden Patterson Wines are the perfect pairing for any occasion. Now you can bring the sweet taste of victory with you to a dinner with friends or to the tailgate with your game day crew. Purchase online today at philadelphiaeagles.com wine to stock up and have Broaden Patterson delivered right to your door. A portion of proceeds from every bottle benefit Eagles Autism Foundation.